Exploring Spiritual Questions podcast. Hello, my name is Stephen Russell Lacey. This is the third script in a series of six podcasts on what is in store for us if we survive death. So far, I have looked at the question of death survival, and in particular, Emanuel Swedenborg's account of life after death. If the descriptions of an afterlife are true, I now ask about what we might take with us after death. How will our individual character be seen? Do we survive as individuals? Dr. Raymond Moody carefully studied the visions of people close to death. They reported similar experiences to each other. He termed the near-death experience. What the typical individual heard and saw is as follows. A warm spirit of light appears, and this being communicates in some non-verbal manner to get him to think about his past life and he sees the significant events of his life, as it were, played back to him. Those people who had a near-death experience commonly report this life review process as part of their vision. Interestingly, mediums also report that sooner or later after death, each person's spirit must undertake a life review. And in the process of this review, all the lessons that could be learnt from the recent life on earth are explored. And this is said to involve directly experiencing within oneself the happiness and suffering caused in others by one's actions. People don't always acknowledge when they are being loyal, being kind and helpful, but nor do they always seem to understand when they have been judgmental and inconsiderate of other people. You're asking then, will others see any faults in our characters? Swedenborg also describes how the inner character of people in the next life is gradually revealed, so they can be each seen for what they are. I'm afraid hypocrisy is exposed and pretense no longer works, as the soul begins to be laid bare. Our inner character is what we really want and desire. In ordinary living, it often lies hidden. Who, deep down, doesn't want the approval of other people? So not many of us are so open with our true feelings and attitudes so open as to reveal what we are inwardly like, warts and all. Except possibly for those who share our home, other people do not know us very clearly. And we often pretend, even to ourselves, to be better than we actually are. In my own clinical practice, with clients suffering from various personal problems, I've noticed they varied in their degree of self-knowledge. The process of personal therapy can help unravel 
unnoticed reasons for why any of us act as we do. The therapist helps to explore our true character. We are told such an exposure happens in the afterlife. One way of putting it is to say that inner individuality can be seen in the light of truth, but unacknowledged in the darkness of self-justification. It is not difficult to imagine that, if true, in the life after death, there will be discomfort as the person faces their past desires and intentions. But this is a necessary step if spiritual progress is ever to be made. Some of us may hope we can be purified in relation to any harm we might have caused in the, in the earth life. So, do we actually become purified after death? This notion of a purification process seems akin to the notion of purgatory, a doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church. Also, Chinese folk religion speaks of Dayu. Dayu is a, a mythological realm of purgatory and is said to serve to punish and renew spirits in preparation for what is thought to be reincarnation. Swedenborg has an alternative view to that of reincarnation. He describes what may be a similar process, however, which he calls bastationes. According to his view, this is when others challenge one's mistaken assumptions, when they have a criticism of our self-serving motives. If the individual is basically wanting to know what is good, what is true, and does feel genuine remorse for any harm done, then Swedenborg says any remaining self-centred attitudes can be set to one side. A little bit different from the idea of purification, but on similar lines. Those with basic good intentions undergo experiences which remove their mistaken ways of thinking, so they live in more light. But on the other hand, if the person isn't interested in the truth about their own life, about themselves, they may well be defensive. They may, they may well resist the process of illumination they may well avoid taking responsibility for things. And the consequence would be no learning and no improvement. Albert Ellis, who is the founder of a behaviour therapy known as Rational Emotive Therapy, he wrote, The best years of your life are the ones in which you decide your problems are your own. You do not blame them on your mother on the ecology or the president, you realise that you control your own destiny. The way I would put it is to say that in the afterlife, the inner character we formed whilst living in the world will gradually emerge. Who we really are will be revealed to others and to ourselves. And individual differences between us 
will come into plain view. Everyone would see those of us who have honest integrity. Likewise, those who have self-centered attachments. Well, then, you're wondering if our individual character is so important. Does it really affect the quality of the afterlife we experience? Well, Professor Fontana points out that those mediums who work with spirits sometimes insist that people do not change their natures simply by dying. For example, he quotes one as saying, Death does not make a saint of a sinner, not a sage of a fool. The mentality is the same as before, and individuals carry with them their old desires, habits, dogmas, faulty teachings, indifference, or disbelief in a future life. I would argue that if we each become the person we have chosen to become, then don't we make our own fate? It's a bit like the idea of karma, isn't it? I accumulate karma, and positive or negative karma affects my destiny. And in a similar fashion, according to Swedenborg, the quality of life experienced following death depends on the inner character that we have each formed for ourselves during life in the physical world, how each person grows and develops, what desires ruled our heart. So then you're wondering, individual character affects our happiness, is that true? Well, I would say if during life before death we have become kind and sensible, then we will experience an afterlife surrounded by continued kindness and good sense. But those of us who have become selfish and foolish will instead want to live in a different social climate, one where different social norms apply. A state of existence created by those whose lives are similarly focused on what they want for themselves. Not such a pleasant experience, you might say, but would it not make us as happy as, happy as we are capable of being, if that's what we want? A selfish life leads to its own happiness, or at least its own illusion of happiness. Selfish individual finds pleasure in getting the better of others, of taking what they possess, in manipulating them to get one's own way. On the other hand, an unselfish life gets its own delight in serving the community, in being useful to the family, and looking for the good in others, even when friends and relatives are rude or unkind. Okay, we may be wondering what will happen to us after we die if we happen to have a somewhat selfish character. And in the next podcast, I'll look at the validity of the concept of selfishness.